you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the NFL podcast is searching for Tom Brady's jersey. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Back in Culver City from Houston. All together as a group, our first show since the Super Bowl 51 uh, Super Podcast, which, by the way, is the number one downloaded podcast in the history of NFL media. So uh, thank you to everyone who said, hey, I want an informed hot take on one of the greatest games in Super Bowl history. Let me go to some four saucy whites. Wow. How many downloads? I don't like to say the number. It's just a lot. Is informed hot take an oxymoron? Uh, no, actually, I think you can have a hot take. Wow, that's logical. And this is my, my opinion. This is the most downloaded by far. This is like, this is like a twenty-eight to three lead. Except you know we're not blowing this. Yeah, it's like well, no the, one's ever coming like back. The mass callback, Super Bowl, See nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the mash series finale. Oh, right, All right mash. Okay, oh. long time. I mean, the ago. numbers were so jarring <laughs> that my mash. first thought was. <laughs> Uh, technical glitch that it's yeah. not accurate. The number is seven million downloads, which <laughs> yeah. we are so so proud. Uh, and you know, I took a couple days off after the Super Bowl, and I I spent half of one of my off days fielding media requests after I broke the story on Tom Brady's jersey. Uh, that is how. That is the tenor of the off season that you're that you're beginning, which is essentially Dan promoting Dan wall to wall. Yeah, cut, cut to ten thirty this morning, uh, guys. I, I got to go upstairs and tape something. Uh, oh, is that how I talk? Yeah, just, and you're a little sheepish. You're I sheepishly. Sheepish. Ask, I don't even know if I did ask for permission. That was not Mark, that I would have. That to. was marked this morning. Okay. What happened this morning? I don't have any idea what you're referring to. Oh. 
Wow. <laughs> what are you referring to? That felt like a slight, but I... This morning you said I have to go and do something for the podcast. Oh, well, but mine was not just... It wasn't just a giant one-minute-long soundbite about Mark. It included <laughs> another human being other than just myself, as Sydney would attest to. See, Mark likes to shield his ego. But we all, it's all there. Well, you can frame it however you'd like. Speaking of Mark and his ego, he wrote a banger that we're going to talk about today. Um, and I like this idea, this conceit, Mark. And I, you know, every word I enjoyed. I didn't well. come up with it. Uh, it is the um, storylines we'll be tracking, and we're excited to track this offseason, other than Tony Romo. Obviously, that will be the dominant storyline in a lot of ways, but that is something else. Including a bonus section of 10 storylines I refuse to report Ooh, on. The like obvious that. follow-up question here is, Mark, is there any off-season storyline that you could possibly be excited to monitor? Uh, the word excited was a tad strong, but you know, you've know you got to roll with the, the assignment as it's given. I see well, it in your copy. I'm excited. Well... <laughs> This is I, like when I West guess, told us that he's in character. I guess it is this. It is in. Re, it is relative to Tony Romo. Okay. Excited relative to well, having to do 4,000 Tony that's Romo. That's not books. in the copy. Though. Yes, it is. Read it. In a world. <laughs> all right. Here's the copy. In a world beyond Romo, here's what I'm excited to track this. So yeah. I think it just well, says that, you're excited. That sounds like it's in the copy. We, uh, Good we, for you! We, we like the topic so much. We did a, a segment about it on Friday. It's going to be on Fridays mm-hmm. up to the minute. And I think that's going to be weekly that they give us a few minutes here. So people should watch up to the minute live, 4 o'clock Eastern. Nice plug. Daily. Excellent, Greg. NFL Networks, Greg Rosenthal, in fact. Look at Wall you, too. Wall-to-wall no, coverage. it what? can't be. That's NFL Networks' Greg Rosenthal. Look at you, too. Well, isn't up to the minute on NFL Network? This is where you get this whole bit from? <laughs> right? Well, that's right. And then you're go, you guys are we're all going to be on this. As a force. So, <laughs> I'm just saying, does that, you know, well, how we about all, it, you well, all need your own Well, hold on. Then. Let's turn it around. Do you feel a little annoyed that we're now joining you on NFL Network? I, I think uh, honest feelings. I think it's nice to class up the joint. You I know? think it's cool that there's room enough on your coattails for three of us. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I looked over. I peeked into Greg's cubicle uh, when the news broke. We'd be doing this. And he was just grinding his teeth. <laughs> He was so angry. Uh, all right, so we'll be talking about those offseason storylines to track. Uh, we are going to um, settle up our sandwich props. Sandwich uh, proposition update. I don't even remember that one. Whose voice was that? That was professional. <laughs> yeah, I went searching through the archives. That was a good one. Uh, we're going to settle that up. I'm actually thrown off by that. Uh, the you know All season, we were tracking the best uh, radio and television calls of the season. Uh, we now we have whittled that down. It was originally going to be a top ten, and uh, some of them didn't pass the smell test when we uh, revisited them. <laughs> at, you know, outside of the moment, to say the least. And uh, we settled on a top five calls, but I'm feeling really good about the top five calls. They're good calls. They were thoroughly vetted. <laughs> thoroughly I would say vetted. most of the room is very excited about this right. segment. I turned to Greg; he's just nodding his head. Very good for podcast. Well, I thought yeah, I thought you were going to go to the whole bit of you know Wes. Yeah, it wasn't the most enthusiastic. Well, we that. Well, it's not really a bit, Greg. Especially number five, but we'll get to that. Uh, and we'll touch on the sound effects and the Patriots' win over uh, the Falcons in Super Bowl 51. Chris Wessling wrote a banger there. But before we do any of that, uh, let's start with uh, the news. And to do that, we check behind the glass with new money. Uh, so good to see her again, the first lady of the Around the NFL podcast. How are you, money? I'm good. Hey, guys, I missed you. Missed you, too. Yeah. I said. Missed my board. 
Had to do everything post last week. Yeah, We're that was terrible. Annoying. Wearing a cool around the NFL shirt. Right True story. Now. Yeah. Got some swag. Yeah. Big a lot of stuff for, happened while we were gone. Big thanks for staying up till about 2 p.m., if not later, 3 p.m., 3 a.m. A.m. In the a.m. Yep. <laughs> that happened. On the night of the Super Bowl show. I mean, you know, that's how a you lot get of a, sacrifice. That's how you get up on Mount Rushmore. There you go. That, I mean, that's all. I mean, it wasn't uh, – wasn't. I'm sh- I'm sure. Why are you about a, to Why are you about to night. marginalize what you? I know I'm not. <laughs> All I'm gonna say is, I will never forget Mark Sessler showing up at the airport still in his suit from the night before at uh, seven in the morning or whatnot. After well, he had just left my hotel yeah. room after I mean, polishing yeah, off a twelve pack. <laughs> well, that's. I wish I had. Do you guys years. drink? <laughs> you were there. Pepsi. <laughs> All right, let's do some news. Francisco, that's fun to say. Let's start in San Francisco, where a new brain trust is in place. Kyle Shanahan, who was most recently seen um, blowing the Super Bowl with the rest of the Atlanta Falcons. Wow. wow. And uh, listen, just let's keep it real around here. John Lynch, the new general manager, who was uh, an analyst for Fox a couple uh, months ago, or last week, actually, I saw him at media night uh, doing some media stuff. Now he's a GM. That's interesting. So the two men were on a dais together discussing the new direction of of the San Francisco 49ers, Jed York was also on hand, the team owner. Uh, he was quoted saying, I believe in these guys. We aren't where we want to be. We're a two-win team, two win team right now, and we need to make sure these guys have everything they need to get up and running. And I believe in these guys, and I believe they're going to be here a lot longer than that. Well, you better be right, uh, because six-year contracts are not that common. And, gentlemen, one of the questions that came from the Bay Area Press, which – is not happy with the 49ers uh, regime, uh, was about Kyle Shannon, who was the offensive coordinator of the Falcons, who, as I said, uh, were not able to close out the Super Bowl. And there was a report out there after the game that Kyle Shanahan admitted that he thought he blew the Super Bowl, uh, and he was asked about that in his opening presser with the Niners. You know, when you're the coordinator of an offense or you're the head coach of a team, um, you're responsible for what happens out there. And I did believe we had a very good chance to win that game, especially at the end. And we didn't get it done. Um, in terms of the, when you use the words, I blew it, I don't look at it that way. I, I believe I missed an opportunity. And, you know, we didn't get it done. I'll go back through every play through that for, for the rest of my life. Thoughts, gentlemen, on the beginning of a new era in San Francisco? I thought he came across in the press conference like he did with the media on throughout the week, which is very forthright and impressive. And he, in another answer to, to that question, he was very forthright saying, look, I'm going to relive, I'll relive every single one of those plays uh, the rest of my life. Of course, I think there's things that we could have done differently. I would think that about any loss, but he also said, I didn't coach any differently in that game than I did the rest of the year. That's how we got there. I don't think we coached scared. I don't think we played scared. You know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here. And I, I think that's true. In the you, you wrote about it in, in your Get Off My Gridiron article this week, Wes, that Shanahan, the blame that he's gotten to me has been outsized for his place in that in that collapse. I loved hearing 
that response from him today, that that's the way he's always coached. It's the way he's going to continue to coach. And just because a bunch of couch jockeys who never watched the Falcons once all year tuned into a series. You never played the game. No, you didn't watch the Falcons all year. You slept on the Falcons all year, and now you want to criticize him for a couple plays in the Super Bowl. That's how he coaches. It's also why he's the best offensive coordinator in the NFL and perhaps the best offensive mind in the NFL. Well, if anything, it is practice for what's to come because – You know, when you're the offensive coordinator and you don't face the press for more than about a half an hour a week tops, your head coach deflects and has to handle all that, and your players do too. It was an easy season for media-wise for, for for Shanahan, but now you're with San Francisco. It is it is they have got a long rebuilding job. It's not going to happen as quick as it did when you roll in and you have Matt Ryan as your quarterback and Julio Jones a wide receiver. We'll find out who he is. He said he hoped he would have he had he hoped he had six Julio Joneses on this team, but that's not the case. A lot of work to do, and the team that he left, the Atlanta Falcons, a major shakeup there because of course they have to replace Kyle Shanahan, and they do that naming Steve uh, Sark. Sarkeesian, the new offensive coordinator, Sarkeesian, who had a tumultuous era at USC as the head coach, undermined by some personal problems, later moved on to Alabama, was briefly their play caller in their uh, BCS title game. Well, they got rid of the BCS. I think it was the college football playoff title game. Whatever. Loss uh, to... They lost to Clemson. The Clemson. They got the Tigers, Seth Ryan's team. Um, he is now the new offensive coordinator. That's how they're known around the country. <laughs> That's how I know him. The Seth Ryan team. I know I know Clemson is the team. Rex changed his truck from Bills to Clemson College. Look, we're around the NFL podcast. You go Get somewhere else packs. in the college business. So Sarkeesian takes over as the OC uh, of the Falcons and showing you what a savage business the NFL is. Richard Smith um, – is no longer the defensive coordinator of the Falcons. So you go from up 28-3 late in the third quarter, people saying what a genius scheme you co- you you planned up. Maybe you you're, you got head coach written all over you. Now you're out. Defensive coordinator Richard Smith is being replaced with defensive line – oh, is being replaced while defensive line coach Brian Cox is being let go by the team, a team – a source informed of the moves told uh, Rap Sheet on Wednesday Smith could stay on in the Falcons in an advisory role, uh, Greg, uh, but it is the end of his tenure as the D.C., and that's just wild to think how savage the NFL can be. you got to think they were going to make these moves regardless, which is weird, but talk about moving fast. I mean, when when Robert Alford's running down the field for that pick six, it's Brian Cox uh, who's holding – back Dan Quinn and then they end up kind of embracing and jumping up and down and in a you know a day later he's without a job yeah, I mean I think the on the offensive side of the ball which is you're probably more concerned with what's going to happen to last year's offense that by all indication then instead of trying to bring in Chip Kelly and have him do something that's not akin to Chip Kelly Sarkeesian I talked to Chase Goodbread from 24-7 on Barbs. our site and he basically said you're going to see an offense that's similar because they – Sarkeesian may be a little bit more into the running game but loves running back screens. He's aggressive with certain pass concepts that are similar to Shanahan's. And they said today it's going to be a similar offense. We're not going to depart from what we did. That's the best news for Falcons fans. You don't want to try to change what happened. The talent is there, and they're going to keep the zone running scheme. That's good. They're going to adjust to what the talent is. Right, but he, he's – He's never coached in the NFL. It's an extreme – I mean, he did, I, I believe, for, he was a quarterback coach of the Raiders in 2004. If he was a player, he would have major red flags. He basically uh, – you know, you have sympathy for a man that struggled with addiction, but he almost kind of, you know, helped ruin his career on well, some level because of that. 
And he just was at Alabama for a couple weeks and left the job because he didn't get along with his boss. So to me, it it's a very risky hire. There's no reason to believe that this is this is going to work out smoothly. It reminds me of Bobby Petrino practice. Maybe it's Whoa. a bridge hire because you're so late in the year that you don't get the guy you want. But also, they you know, Pete Carroll, Dan Quinn, and Sarkeesian are all friends. Yep. And that's how this business works. Nick Saban, too. Let's there you go. Move on and talk about the Arizona Cardinals. They're getting the band back together. One last ride at it. Carson Palmer confirmed Thursday that he would return for a 15th NFL season. Uh, he's now 37 years old. Uh, he told the team's official website that he wanted to make sure that he was physically ready for another uh, NFL season. This comes a week after Larry Fitzgerald informed the public that he would come back for another season. So the both uh, key players in Arizona's offense are back. And Chris Wessling, uh, do you believe that this is amazing news for the Cardinals who view themselves as a contender, but are they really? They are a contender, and if not for a few breaks, would have been in the playoffs this year. Who knows what happens once you can get in the playoffs. Carson Palmer played the best ball of the season in December at the end of the year. Larry Fitzgerald was one of the best slot receivers in the league. That is excellent news. They have some decisions on defense, especially with three key free agents, Chandler Jones, Calais Campbell, and Tony Jefferson. So this is a team that believes it's in a Super Bowl window. They just have to make some really good decisions this offseason. They're in that window. This is great news. You can, is. I think you could you could win a Super Bowl with Carson Palmer if he played like he played. He he. If you want to get people on Twitter upset, mention that Carson Palmer played well the last half of the season because everyone's like, "No, you ruined my fantasy team." I got I got a million responses. Same people who right away. Hate no, he played Kyle well. Shanahan him for his play calling. He played well. Um. Yeah, and I you know I really enjoyed all or nothing last year with Cardinals getting to know that team better. Uh, they had a they had a rough year last year, so I, I think it makes sense. You put them see if the uh, the old band can still play the guitar, Mark. I like that. That was well done, Dan. <laughs> uh, moving on, the Hall of Fame voted in their 2017 class. The whole band's playing the guitar. Or it's just, a very strange band. They're very guitar oriented. <laughs> uh, no bass player. Uh, no drummer, no singer, just all guitar. I mean, let's keep going with this. What's the next chapter in this bit? Can we keep – is there another angle we can come from potentially? All right, Mark, let's talk some Hall of Fame. Okay. You know, comedy ombudsman. <laughs> uh, you know, right. I mean, Mark wants to get out of here. <laughs> he's already, he's, he's really already looking at the clock. Not at all. It's February. Not at all. Let's keep the listener engaged. LaDainian Tomlinson, uh, the headliner of the 2017 Pro Football Hall of Fame class, revealed Saturday – at NFL Honors, which uh, Greg gets goosebumps just thinking about being at that event for another year. Uh, the other uh, inductees, Kurt Warner, Terrell Davis, Kenny Easley, Jason Taylor, Morton Anderson, and Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, notably snubbed Ya boy, Greg, Terrell Owens. He's my boy? I don't know. I mean, I'm not the one who wrote a, a banger about him. This week, West West feels stronger than look. I think he should have been a Hall of Famer. I think they have questionable decisions every year. Some good players wait. I it's just as outrageous to me that Tory Holt is not in the finalists even as To didn't make it. So they're they're punishing him from what we've heard from for ex coaches and teammates basically burying To behind the scenes that they've been running almost like talking to his ex you know, players and team teammates and coaches that they've been anti-campaigning they're, they're campaigning colluding, against them. They're colluding a man they're out of the Hall of Fame? That is, that is some petty stuff if that's what's actually happening. Yes, it is. It's the definition of petty. It's ridiculous. And Torrey Holt, fine, he had a good career. 
He's not a guy where, with the eye test, you know Terrell Owens is a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. You know right off the bat, he's one of the best players in the history of football. Torrey Holt is a borderline Hall of Famer. He was really good. He was never the best receiver in the NFL like T.O. was. This is ridiculous. And they want to talk about how teams couldn't wait to get rid of him. This isn't Brandon Marshall where they were like, oh, maybe we can salvage a third-round pick for him. Teams were lining up to get T.O. as much as they were running up to get rid of him. That is ridiculous. I don't like that at all. I'm with you, and let's not act like T.O. would be the first person that got into the Hall of Fame with some personality issues along the way as a player. I mean, Charles Haley deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. No questions asked and had to wait a long time because of this kind of stuff. You have Andre Reid in the Hall of Fame. Good player, not a better player than Terrell Owens. You've already blown it. you got to get him in there, and it's just a farce and a joke that carries on for another year. And and might carry on further than that based on the fact they didn't make the final ten. I mean, the, the surprising thing, and when people complain about the Hall of Fame, you always want to say, well, who are you taking out of this class? This year probably wouldn't have been that tough. You take out Morton Anderson. Um, I think it was a year where there weren't as many locks, and it felt like a year it's like, let's get in some of these guys because if you start looking at the next few years, it starts being loaded. I think Terrell Davis and Kurt Warner were two guys that have kind of been waiting. They're very well-liked. And, it, and sometimes with these years in the Hall of Fame, it's like, let's put these guys in now before it, it's too late. And all due respect to Morton Anderson, who played his position very well for many, many years. But he is not a more vital, important, uh, charismatic, uh, productive player than Terrell Owens was no, that's... Uh, for the long career that he I – mean, Well, I don't think it's fair to put those t- – I see what you're saying, but, like, if you're going to put if, – if kickers are going to get in, and I think they should, Morton Anderson – it's easy to forget about these guys. Morton Anderson played for, like, my entire life up until I was in college almost. But that's – to me, that's not – I'd rather. And he was good, by the way. That's why I like Kurt Warner getting in because he defined the NFL for a couple of those years. He won two MVPs, whereas Morton Anderson was like a B plus kicker, B plus A minus kicker for that just played for twenty five years. He was better than B plus. If you think about the reason Halls of Fame exist. You cannot tell the story. Just like in baseball, you don't have the home run king or the hit king in your Hall of Fame. You cannot tell the story of baseball without either of those guys. You can, you can tell the story of football without Morton Anderson. You can't tell the story <laughs> of football without Terrell Owens. Moving on, gentlemen. Good talk there, guys. Really enjoyed that. Guys Jason, really Jason Taylor and Kenny Easley. I knew we needed to get past the Hall of Fame. Second, it was Jason of, Taylor and passion. Kenny Easley are just like, what do we got to do to get a little well, attention? Mark and I both They're love, Italian? Mark and I both love the Kenny Easley pick. Yes. When we were watching in yes. the 80s, was a better player than Ronnie Lott. Yep. Okay. He shouldn't have that had to wait. Too. Like, he's yeah. almost a comparable player to right. maybe not quite to six beefier. or seven years. But that he was a first-team All-Pro four or five times. It's, it's crazy like, he had to wait. He's like the safety version of Gale Sayers. It's a big win, and this this will bring it around to baseball, okay. Dan. I know you love that. You know uh, I am the defender of the, the hardball. It's a, it's a year for great, brilliant primes over the compilers. We don't need the compilers. Okay. That's why Terrell Davis is in. I get it. Good Kurt call. Warner man. and Easley. Okay. Brilliance is always better than that. <clears throat> Let's uh, a little. Ooh, this is fun. Well, not for the men involved with this. The release roundup. Uh, I'll start with the uh, Green Bay Packers, who part part yeah. ways with both running back James Starks and cornerback Sam Shields. Wes, any surprise there? Not one bit. James Starks is nearing the end. Maybe, maybe if his legs come back. But Sam Shields had concussion issues the entire season. 
He might not ever mm. play again. Maybe uh, this clears the way for Eddie Lacy returning to Wow. Green Bay. Well, McCarthy wants him back. We'll see if Ted Thompson they, does. they need some cornerbacks there. They're still recovering from that playoff loss and the sick burn from Jordan Peele at the NFL Honors Award against the Packers secondary. Who will ever forget it? They can By have, the way, what was he, it? all-time best host of the old NFL Honors. Not, oh, not that there's been that many. Get off Al Baldwin's. Subjective. No, okay. wasn't even close. Bruh. Wasn't even close. Anyway, uh, what was the sick burn? Well, if I could remember it exactly. I remember Here is the sick burn. The playoffs got really great ratings this year. They really did. For instance, the NFC Championship was watched by 46 million people and the Packers secondary. <laughs> All right, now let's react as if we had heard it. <laughs> Glorious. Wow. To quote Mark Sessler, excellent showmanship. You weren't wrong, Greg. <laughs> See what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, moving on. Josh McCown released by the Browns. Uh, it didn't work out for Josh, who's always hurt. And uh, then here comes the predictable bit. Oh, there's the quarterback of the Jets. Good one. I hope not because he's always hurt and he's not that good. And he's old. Well, mm. if there is going to be, as we mentioned on our NFL Network segment, a potential bidding war for Jimmy Garoppolo, I think there'll be a little bit of a bidding war in coaching staffs to get Josh McCown as a, and wow. as a quarterback coach. Well, you laugh, but uh, – it is someone that has been talked about by multiple guys out there as a coach in the making. He was a coach, oh, a coach. for a while as a coach. Okay. Oh, he's, he a, wants to play. That's why he's leaving Cleveland. Well, he'll he'll play for the year, but it, but if he can't get a job or if he doesn't like that, he is going to be a valued coach this and a good what, coach in the NFL. I got a plan. The Browns franchise McCown. Like that? And then trade him for a first-round pick. Bidding war. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that would be great. If That's how you win a bidding war. And you franchise a guy you've just released. <laughs> well, no, you you take that back. You pull it off the wire, franchise him, make him a top five paid quarterback. Because once you franchise somebody, mm. you can trade him, right? You could. I mean, yeah, you tag and trade. If him. I had, you know, Dan, this is not if, an speaking argument of for your front office, uh, you know, potential work. Speaking like, of you know annual bits, you said bidding war. Uh, you know, you've got your gradual decline of Tom Brady. Eventually, yeah. you'll be right about I that. I will be right. The eventually. inverse of that bit, though, is Chris Wesseling's Josh McCown will eventually be good again bit, and that's I don't know if that's going to end up being true. There are two things going in opposite directions, but both cratering. Uh, moving on. Josh McCown's still a better quarterback than some quarterbacks who start in the NFL. There, he's still it. in. He's, he's still player. in. He is a good player. He's a great healthy. player. I'm sorry you healthy. missed the Blake Bortles and Brock Osweiler seasons this year. <laughs> uh, Justin Gilbert, uh, another former Brown. Uh, he has been uh, let go by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, a short, uneventful stay there. And Dequ Ooh, is this another former Brown? Dequell Jackson. Um, he is no longer with the Colts. Uh, they were they cut the linebacker uh, after he signed uh, for a nice amount of money, I believe, in 2014, now 33 years old. One thing Joe Thomas, I thought, had the best way to sum up Justin Gilbert's career in Cleveland and Pittsburgh. He tweeted, and jo jo Joe Thomas, by the way, not holding back on Twitter or in general with his comments. You don't He's, care. I, I like his honesty. He yeah. said, if you don't like football, it doesn't matter how talented you are, your star will burn out quick. And Justin Gilbert was so poorly scouted by the Browns that they never actually met in person to find out where his passion level was, and that's why that team is picking first in the draft right now. There you go. And uh, finally, in the news, um, in transfer of power news, Bob Costas being replaced by Mike Tirico, my boy, as NBC's Olympics host. Uh, that ends a Costas tenure, Mark. Pay special attention. Uh, that spans way back to 92 as the Olympics guy, uh, but into the 80s with NBC. And uh, here is a statement 
uh, from Costas, who's handled this pretty well, I believe. It has been both a privilege and an incredible personal and professional experience mm. to have been part of NBC's Olympic coverage all these years. I'm especially appreciative of all the talented and dedicated people I worked for and with on those broadcasts. Class act, Mark, as he steps into the shadows forever. Well, he has no bigger fan than Mike Tirico. Well, Mike, well, yeah, Mike, Mike Tirico. Well, no, but I mean, but I think the thing is that here it reminds me a little bit of at the end of Al Davis's career when oh, when no. everyone went clickbaity and like look how terrible Al Davis looks and what a joke he is and his, his actual the substance of his career completely forgotten unless you were of a certain age and you remembered the bulk of his work and I'll tell <laughs> you why they, because Bob Costas, Bob Costas now, everyone all the time he's he's an easy target and I get it but Bob Costas was one of the youngest people ever hired to announce Major League Baseball he blew it out of the park he did a great job he is he was one of the better broadcasters of all time. I don't think I, I grew up watching him and I know the four of us like to three of us out of the four like to joke about it. Wes doesn't Wes thinks it's idiotic, but I don't think I, it's well, idiotic. Well I think Wes is mi- Wes is mystified by it, yeah. understandably. I, I honestly think that guys like Costas, guys like Al Michaels, some of these guys that are at the end of their career, a lot of people in sports media journalism would not be here if it were not the prime of their careers and what we and, and how they made you love sports more. Bob Costas, I grew up, I loved football more because of what he did on NFL NFL Live back on NBC and the whole crew of them. So to me, yes, maybe I overvalue him now, his late work, but I wouldn't be sitting here if it weren't for a collection of those guys, Marv Albert, the rest of them. They're all in cahoots. They love each other because they know that they are good at what they do. I love the analogy because Bob Costas is a luminary in the broadcasting business, just like Al Davis is one of the greatest figures mm. in NFL history. Now I'm picturing Bob Costas drafting Jamarcus Russell and Rolando <laughs> McClain and then right. burying yeah. Lane Kiffin in a press conference. Do you? I'm gonna I'm gonna write the blog post about Mark's speech and it'll say <laughs> Sessler colon Costas. <laughs> I mean, this is Greg. Greg is this is classic. This is classic, like minorly post millennial nonsense from Greg, who basically has never ever appreciated Costas because he he didn't. He, you know what? Good, good, good for you, Greg. It was, I didn't even finish. NFL, ne- NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal Dessler. telling us how broadcasting Costas works. Costas like a like a late period Al Davis. That's the, that's the headline. You, I have, I feel sorry for you, Greg, that you cannot appreciate what Bob Costas brought to the the world of sports. Well, he's not leaving. Yeah, he said he's taking on a Tom well, Brokaw like right, role. This is the right time. Well, Tom Brokaw, who's on television about once every eighty days he's right now, jumping in. It, it is the right time, and and NBC had enough foresight to bring in what is the best broadcaster of today. Thank They're you. They're going from best to best. This is this is Manning to Luck. This is Montana to Steve Young. Do you, you Brady still, to Brissett? <laughs> do you still think that? Ooh, slice me off a piece of that Jake brisket. Do you still think that somebody's a bigger Bob Costas fan than you, though, after that? I, I appreciate him. I, I, it's, it, uh, maybe it's because I'm a little bit older than, than some of you guys. Like, I, don't, I understand the— I, I love Costas. Well, I, I've never detected know. that on any level I, I, from you, but well, that's, that's, what, that's breaking news. Now he's breaking some news. That, <laughs> that, that's I mean, not I my just break, feel that it's not, just utterly I'm the, I'm the smarmy nonsense. Now, I'm the, I'm the insider now. How dare you? My bad. Um, no, I not his not late period Costas. Right. He's on the soapbox talking about gun control during Sunday Night Football. Right. I'm talking about you know that stuff, and that's why that stuff's from. I, I, we have to move on, but that stuff is was was <laughs> fine in the 1980s and early 90s, 
and, and what happened with him, and it's going to happen to all four of us at some point too if it's not already happening, is you're not moving on with the time. You're, you're stuck at a certain period. Those soapbox things don't fly with 95% of the audience now. They did back in 1980. Why do you think when Chris was, out of work now? Well, time exactly. Moves things move on. Without you if you don't adapt. All right. Wes, you wrote a banger. It's about the uh, uh, NFL Network in conjunction with NFL Films. Their sound effects, they wire up players uh, for many games during the season, but none. there are no more wires. The most wires, I should say, come on that final Sunday in February, and you had some takeaways from the sound effects edition of Super Bowl uh, 51. I must confess that when David Ely put this assignment on my desk, I, I, I thought, I, I've never even seen the show Sound Effects. <laughs> I'm not trying to watch it. I, I guess I'll just go through the motions and write something. And, you know, somebody must have said something interesting. I'll write that up. And then I kept a notebook throughout the program, and, and it was a masterpiece theater of, of football broadcast from NFL Films, I guess, who, who does this production. And it was the anatomy of an epic comeback, just watching Julian Ed- Edelman is the star of the show chatting throughout the game but you get to hear from tom brady and, and there are several sound bites in here that that might give you the chills a little bit let's hear some of them wes cue it up there new money <laughs> <laughs> we go through multiple channels to get things done here let's go score and win, and win this thing baby for your mom for your mom bro who's that that was Julian Edelman right after the Patriots win the coin toss and Dan rolled his eyes at that. Turns one. to Tom Brady and says, "For your mom, bro." I get it. I mean, the mom thing. I I love my mom. We all love our moms. Uh, but you know, it wasn't like if he would have thrown an interception, which he very nearly did, by the way, Tom Brady. Would it mean that he let his mom down? No. I, I'm, well, I'm raining on the parade a little bit. Yeah, well, I, let's I hear something else. That's, you know, what else, Wes? Let me set these up. That would be a better that's what, way. That's what I was doing. I know. You, you're yeah. a pro, and yeah. I, I totally fumbled. You still have time. Let's, let's, we could get this on You're track. down Go 28-3, ahead. but you got to come back in you. <laughs> Mark set it up. Here we go. It's 28-3. Let's hear from Tom Brady trying to rally the troops after it's 28-3. to There you go. Let's show it now. Let's start showing some fight. Come on, now. Let's go. got to play tougher, harder, tougher, everything. Everything we got. Mm. Mm. That was good. That was good. That that reminds you know. me a lot. I'm trying to think of it's one NFL films clip they use all the time. I actually said it to you in the Super Bowl press box at one, one time. They always use it for Brady. It's Auxiliary. Like, are we gonna are we gonna lay down? Are we gonna fight? Like that. That's the Tom Brady clip that they always use. Now they can always. And he, yeah, I one. I saw that this morning. Actually, he's stalking up and down the sideline. Uh, his teammates are sitting down, and it, I would think that makes a big difference when you have the king, uh, number one guy in your team, uh, a call to arms like that. What else we got, Wes? That was a good setup. That was when clip. the number one guy in our team, David Ely, had me start to write an article that went a thousand words in and was never seen by another human being. <laughs> I don't know if this is going <laughs> to catch on, but Kevin Patrick challenged me on my use of ankle catch for Julian Edelman's catch. Mm. So I've come up with Incrediblemen. Hmm. Okay. The Incrediblemen is the name of the catch. But here's what's cool. When he catches it, as he's trying to pull it off of Robert Alford's ankle, they catch him on mic going, I caught it, I caught it, while he's still in the motion of catching it. Let's hear it, Sid. I caught it. I caught it. I caught it. Crazy. I swear to God. No way. That's cool. It's him and Brian Poole looking at opposing scoreboard screens. And Brian Poole, the Falcon quarterback, is like, no way, no way. And he's like, no, I swear to God, I caught it. Mm. I liked uh, – it made me think higher of 
Dante Hightower, not that I didn't think high of him, but that he was really like the vocal sort of leader of that uh, defense. And and at one point, when it, I think it was 28-9, and he was just like, no more, no more mistakes. No more my bads. Like we have to be perfect now. There's no, there's no more you know, margin of error at all. And that was basically the point where he gets the sack fumble. I like Dante Hightower, by the way. Was that setting up your last one? No, I, okay, I good. Could still set up. Um, he did not go to the parade. Yeah, because uh, he said he's had enough of cold and and wind and rain and sleet. Which I, I get. He'd be a terrible mailman, by the way. And he's he's not going to the White House. Uh, but I don't know if that team's going to the White House when hey, it's all said and done. I didn't want some sandwiches. Um, but he didn't go to the White House uh, for Obama either a couple of years ago, so there's no political tie to that. He just doesn't want to go. He already did it with Alabama. And you have one more, Wes, right? Jackie Slater, Hall of Famer, mm. and Matthew Slater's father passionately testifying on Tom Brady's greatness. They got the best quarterback in the history of the National Football League, bar none. I don't disrespect anybody, but Tom Brady is the best quarterback to ever play the game. I wish I talked like that. I know. It's pretty- like bar none. I like bar none. I like to- ever play the Let's game. Let's bring back bar none. Let's start using it all the time. I want to talk better. The best line in that whole episode, though, was Mo Sanu was one of the guys mic'd up, so oh, you yeah. see a lot of him, and he's feeling his oats in the second quarter after Robert Alford's pick six. They go up 21 to nothing, and he says, they ain't never met nothing like this. Mm. And he's talking to Taylor Gabriel, who has a nervous look in his eye, and he goes, it's Tom Brady, though. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he goes, he goes, we're going to put 40 up on them, and, he, and Gabriel's just like, we got to. Hey, if that didn't hook you in, um, here's the good news. If, you, if, you, if you're upset that you missed it, this will be played seven million oh, times. Oh, sound yes, effects! This months. this show every year the hour long sound effects after the Super Bowl Absolutely. really is one of the best things NFL Films does every year. It's always awesome, and the in the saddest, uh, the one that stuck with me the most from that entire show was after Jake Matthews's hold, after that play. You know, Matt Ryan thinks he got them into field goal range again, and he just goes, he goes, what the. F- guys he's like did you hold and he, he asked Levitre that and Levitre is like no I didn't and Matthews is just kind of a foot away from him not saying anything and it was tough re-watching this Brutal. game I felt for Jake Matthews uh, for people that killed Kyle Shanahan I think Jake Matthews a couple holding calls a lot of pressures if you're if you're looking for there's a million different people that that struggled when they when they collapsed, but to me Jake Matthews especially in that offensive line is going to be living with that for the rest of his I'll, life. I'll have an end around column tomorrow about the different things that uh, the Falcons, if they just would have pulled off one of them, probably would have won the Super Bowl. And Matthews sadly is a starring role because he had two holding calls. One after the onside kick, after the first Patriots touchdown, and then, of course, the killer uh, a couple plays after Julio's big catch in the fourth quarter. Because I love our listeners so much. Look at you. I've included links to all these videos, Ooh. too. So if you don't get a chance to watch it on NFL Network, pull up my article, nfl.com slash wesling. The sound Perfect. effects article, the links are all in there to the videos if you want to see this. Beautiful work, Wes. Well done. Uh, so there you go. Fine job. Uh, sound effects. Uh, check it out, airing over and over this offseason on NFL Network. Now. This is the gift that keeps on punishing you. <laughs> uh, well, Dan, you know, you were out yesterday. You uh, That was not an accident, by the way. Right. Good day to be out. I think yeah. it was a eight or nine times in a row with these various million uh, football lives with the Patriots. What's it called? The America's Game. Over and over. One Super Bowl, then the Still next. Football Lawyer Malloy. Patriots Dynasty knows. Day on NFL Network. Yeah, that was, I steered clear of that channel on my DirecTV at home as well. All right, let's settle up, by the way, uh, some sandwich props from Super Bowl. 
uh, 51, our annual preview show. We we do some props, and um, so let's go through them. Sandwich props. Sandwich proposition update. Oh, my God. People really hate that drop. No, you know what happened, Wes? That is the new sandwich drop, and I'll tell you why. Because I got several tweets from people saying I had to turn off the podcast because the apple chomp. Do we still have that one? That was it. No, this is different, Greg. Trust me. I'm, I'm the oh, one. Made my did skin it crawl. So this is a punishment to those of you that are so weak willed that you couldn't handle the last chomp. This one's even more gross. <laughs> I don't know what the end game is here, but that was hideous. And let me tell you something. That's a pickle being eaten. If you cross me, if I get one more tweet from somebody saying they can't handle that drop, what are we going to do, Sid? Uh, something about a banana. The banana <laughs> chewing drop. You don't want anything close to the banana drop. No, you really don't. But after that, it's someone chewing on someone's human femur. I mean, where are we going with this? Don't at me, bro. awful. I'm just saying, uh, tough up. You have you pay literally nothing for this podcast. Deal with an apple. You're saying millennials are a, a generation that lacks toughness, Dan? <laughs> Maybe. Whoa. And you know who you are if you're listening right now and you came at me on Twitter about having to turn off the podcast. I don't know who you are, but you know who you are. All right, here we go. We'll start with Mark Sessler. Mark, you finished four and five for the Super Bowl, uh, which is about where everybody else finished. <laughs> None of us got anything right. Yeah. Uh, here's the first one. There will be no Super Bowl 51 winner. Oh, yeah. Uh, we all. <laughs> we Not all true. It did go to overtime. So there was a moment. Where there was, you know, and of course, leading up to the game, some of the uh, the unrest, social unrest around this country, it seemed like you had a shot at this. A lot of people thought there was a shot. And in the end, there was no shot. Okay, so that cost you three. Uh, Your next one, Lady Gaga will do something during the halftime show that will immediately qualify as legitimate breaking news beyond the sports world. Uh, and uh, this is a fun person to ask this. Wes, we had decided that you would be the independent uh, arbitrator on this. Did Lady Gaga do anything that really had the entire world talking? No. I mean, she <laughs> jumped. <laughs> she He's acted right. like she jumped off a roof but didn't really jump off a roof. She did some spider monkey crawl. I don't know. He's you know right. what? If She's she right. would have actually no breaking news. Yeah. If she would have jumped off the roof. That might have qualified. Uh, no, I think something I was, would have had to have gone wrong with jumping off the roof for it to go breaking. See, that's it's, what it's I just, always thought, that you were like hinting at Gaga suffering some type of mortal injury. It's more like I feel every time I do one of these, it's like, oh, that wasn't oniony enough. So it's like I'm now just resorting to like natural <laughs> disaster fun. and like <laughs> massive issues. So Very strange. Uh, and here was your big winner, and it was a big one. Uh, Super Bowl 51 will go into overtime. And we discussed that, and uh, it is. The finally um, Super Bowl 51, the first Super Bowl. So you won sandwiches off both Dan and Greg. Moving on to Greg Rosenthal, who uh, came in under 500, three and four. Greg, that will hurt you in the standings. Well, that that's a good tease for later. I'm happy to go over all the overall standings after this is okay. Over. <laughs> Dion Lewis. Will yeah, you and Bob Costas can go over it. How about that? <laughs> Dion Lewis will finish with over 100 yards from scrimmage. Yeah. Right church, wrong pew. You know? Where did he finish? Uh, he had about what, 20, five yards? 27 yards yeah. or something like that. Andy I mean, James, James White, who has a very similar role, obviously, basically, uh, the, you know, the receiving back ends up ends up getting jobbed for the MVP award. You th- whoa, whoa. I don't know about getting jobbed. Jobbed. That's, that's I think Tom Brady earned that sucker. I agree. I agree. 
Let me just get. I just, I'm just saying he had a he had the most catches in Super Bowl history. He had 130 yards. He had a game winning touchdown. He had a pretty epic Super just for Bowl game. Austerity. James White. Deion Lewis had 27 yards rushing and two yards receiving, and he got injured in the fourth quarter. 29 yards. Okay. Matt Ryan will throw for over 350 yards. He only threw the ball 23 times, and that's what cost you. 17 completions for 284 yards, which is pretty interesting. Who knows, Greg? If you would have won the, if the Falcons would have won that coin toss, and they marched down the field, maybe. You get that 350. Mm. You'll have to settle for a fifth Lombardi trophy. That would have been a Pyrrhic. It's not exactly like second prize to have your team win the Super Bowl. That would have been tough. But I do thank Wes for not jumping in on either one of those, so that helped me. I don't think he had a choice. I wasn't there. Oh, yeah. Finally. (laughs) I forgot that. That was was the bit. Finally. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Finally, Dan Hansis. That's me. Uh, NFL media insider Dan Hansis, I should say. Was that a chimp in the background at one point? Ask uh, Sydney. She put it together. No, no, it was a dolphin. Yeah. Oh, a dolphin. ATN Media Insider. That even the title doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Around the NFL media. None of that makes sense. Four and three. Um, the Falcons will score an opening drive touchdown. Greg and Mark took me up on that, and that didn't work out. I believe they went six and out. Uh, and then uh, the Super Bowl 51 winner will not have an official White House visit. And it's funny. I don't even remember this, even though it was a week ago. Greg, you did not take me on that. No, I, I don't think they will. Good. And I, I think it's looking good for you and I that we were on right there. I, I would have Why to Why do you get, say that? I just think that. With so many players not wanting to go, if half the team, if you get it to the point where it's at least half the team doesn't want to go, that's yeah. still an official visit. Though. No, no, no. I'm saying that. Yeah. Oh, they'll pull out. Oh, it. Oh, but, but but you would say though, let's say Brady, Belichick, and 19 players go. We're calling oh, yeah, that yeah. an official. Yeah, oh, of okay, course. okay. Yeah. Well, well, Brady you know, and Belichick are going to be on the Joint Chiefs of Staff soon. <laughs> that's right. Point. I mean, yeah. Congratulations on that, by the way, Greg. Big win. For what are you talking about? Hey, look, if they. Yeah, they could improve things. Uh, here, come, oh, here comes more tweets. Uh, I haven't heard enough sandwich bites, by the way. I'm gonna punish those people. I have. Punish. I love it. More. No, that is. Keep, keep your politics out of the podcast, man. Have fun with your new podcast. Uh, that's it. So, where are the standings at, Greg? And now, three or four years into the race. Uh, Wesseling seventy-five and six seventy-six. Right? No, point. Wes got one right because Wes uh, took Mark on the Super Bowl. Will oh. not have a winner, so okay. Well, Wes this is even Steven. This is the all-time winner. This this does count. Oh, it counts. It's everything. counting the Super Bowl. Okay, good. Uh, Mark, I guess, would be bringing up the rear of the four of us at sixty-two and sixty-eight. Yeah, I've had it, quite a comeback, but I was just, awful out of the game. It, sh- it shows that with the less wins and losses, you just. Don't jump in as much. Well, or, that's the, or back it, in the it, day. it reflects yeah. the early right. stages of my play. Not strategy. to say that I, I mean, I got a whole host of things completely wrong, so I'm not getting any better. Dan doing well, 82 and 72. That's what I'm talking about, baby. And uh, I am at 89 and 75. All right. So I picked up a little ground on you, but you're still first place. And this game ends the moment of us, the moment one of us uh, quits, gets terminated, or the podcast mysteriously disappears mm. when someone on the third floor <laughs> listens to literally one episode. <laughs> so whenever that happens and yep. the show uh, either is no longer the four of us 
uh, or were canceled outright, um, uh, which I'm not saying – this is not me hinting that something's going on. I'm just saying if that were to happen, that's when the game ends. If people are looking for how to – what is the end game here? Right, and then Nick Fortier, who runs this wonderful sister site, is out of an unpaid job. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say he takes you know, one of our chairs after we <laughs> get let go. That's good. No. It's we like, actually, it's I like him, this. the gold standard. <laughs> GoGetMyLunch.org, by the way. I think a, a football podcast might be beneath the gold standard. Mm. Hmm. Sydney, by the way, is 0-4 all time. So you either need to hey, uh, for that reminder, Greg. jump off the Ziggy Ansa train hey, uh, or... All right, moving on. We've got to keep moving, guys. A lot to get to. The supersized edition of the Around the NFL podcast, post-Super Bowl edition. The top five calls of the 2017 season. Oh, I love this. Uh, we, we took it seriously. As If you're a, a listener of the podcast uh, and you listened all season long, you know that when we would play different radio calls on our Sunday podcasts and our uh, Tuesday podcasts for the uh, primetime games, we would – uh, mark them off, or, or Sydney, I should say, would mark them off when we let her know we liked the call. Uh, out of those markoffs, it came to a, a nice group, a dozen calls, and then the four of us got together in a pre-prod meeting, I call it. Pre-prod. Pre-prod. And uh, we whittled that 12 down to five. And here now, got the paper in my hand. This is the list. If you are in the business, uh, in the play-by-play business or the color man business, this is the piece of paper you want to be on come uh, February because that means that you are doing something. You're standing out from all of your peers. That is absolutely They don't right. even know this podcast exists. Well, they will. We had 7 million people listen, 8 <laughs> million people since we started this. <laughs> Another million show, just joined. Uh, listen to the show on Sunday. So you don't know. Zoli, Zoli might have been listening. Old shirtless yeah, I mean, Ansel Zoli. It's worth we- mentioning you have to be a radio man. You're not, not going to be on a television show and get in on this. You're not – we yeah, had we're not TV no Tarikos, did yeah. we? Yeah, every once in a while we yeah. would. But I think Zoli's at a cut. kegger right now. Zoli's bombed. All right, here we go. Number five, the call is from Mike Keith of G- WGFX. The play call uh, was the game-winning field goal by Ryan Suckup in Kansas City to keep Tennessee's playoff hopes alive uh, and uh, send the Chiefs to an unlikely loss. Brinkley to snap. Kern to hold. Snap, set, kick on the way. Good! <laughs> Ryan Suckup has given the Titans a 19-17 win yes. at Arrowhead. Oh, my goodness. 8-6 and six has never, never felt, felt better. better. And I don't think Ryan Suckup has, has ever, ever felt, felt better. better. Um, Wes, now this this was a major uh, source of consternation in the pre-prod meeting. You didn't think this belonged in the top five. Well, as it generally, who would have thought that in the year 2017, radio calls wouldn't be that compelling? That was my general sentiment. And the second sentiment was <laughs> really tough to get on this list when that makes it. Wait a second. I loved how he was like, God! Yeah. In fact, Sydney, can we clip off when he goes, God! In fact, let's. I just want to hear that part one more time. God! So that was number five, and you know what it beat out? Uh, by a hair, it beat out uh, the Kansas City uh, play-by-play guy noting that someone had found the sweet nectar of the end zone. <laughs> and Bob Costas announcing the Preakness. <laughs> and Costas uh, the Preakness. So. Best moment of Suckup's life. Even number- better than being Mr. Irrelevant back yeah. in the NFL. And draft. some of these are sad in, in, in hindsight because the next week uh, the Titans played like 
crap, and then Marcus Mariota broke his leg. Uh, but these teams, in the moment, right. they're special moments for the teams. Number four, special. Eight and seven never felt so bad the, the next, <laughs> next week. <laughs> Number four, the Cleveland Browns make the list. And you know the only way the Browns are making a list like this is uh, if uh, something really bad happened to them or their one victory of the season, and that's what we're talking about. Jimmy Donovan of WKRK. God bless him. This was his call uh, when the field goal was missed uh, by who missed the field goal, Mark? Little Browns trivia. The Chargers field goal kicker. Nick Novak? Josh Lando. Oh, Josh yeah. Lando. Lambo. Lambo. Uh, Lambo. Lambo. Uh, goes wide right, ensuring on Christmas Eve of all days that the Browns would not go winless in 2016. Nine seconds and the clock is running. It's down to seven seconds. They set it down at the 35. It's down to four, three, two, one. They got it off. The kick on the way. And over end. The kick is up. And it is no good. And the Browns have won it. A 45-yard field goal. No good at the absolute last tick of the clock. And it's 0-14 no more on Christmas Eve. The Browns are a winner. People, yes, there it is. There's the applause. People will be surprised to know this. And, Mark, um, tell me if I'm wrong. That was the angriest I ever saw you in the newsroom when that happened, which people will be surprised by. Yeah, they, they like the celebration well, around your I, team. No, I I don't even remember what all the <laughs> the nuances were, but it's it's not a pleasant place to watch Browns games in general. I I hear you on that. I hear you, on that. especially it, this season because yeah, it was, that became part of the newsroom culture was the Browns the winless season and how right. close they came to it. So there was like a a fun kind of cathartic celebration in the newsroom. But for you, Mark, well, a, a I also serious-minded Browns yeah, fan, it was know. kind of still kind of sad. I don't claim that it was. You know, I mean, every day I'll say this about at least one or two of my reactions. They're a, they're a mess, and that was not a, that was a messy reaction. <laughs> that reminds me of what you said during messy the Super reaction. Bowl, which is that if the Browns well ever did make it to the Super Bowl, you're actually gonna have switched places with Simone. You'll sit in the crowd, and Simone will cover the game. That's right. Great Simone idea. is my wife. She will be forced into writing <laughs> articles during the Super Bowl while I enjoy it and set things on fire. I'm just going to set myself on fire. If they I am football. not working if the Jets make the Super Bowl. Thank you. I'm going to the game, right? but I am not working. You're, I get it. It's not like you have an option. You don't have an oh, option. Oh, I'll have an option. Well, it's not going to happen either. So. Right. Yeah. It's fantasy. That's why it was a weird – yeah. Number three. The New England Patriots, they deserve to crack this list. And you would think the play call that we played on Sunday night uh, of um, the Patriots winning the game in overtime would get it. But no, Bob Sosi and our boy, Scott, uh, totally comfortable with public nudity, Zolak, with the call on Danny Amendola's two-point conversion late in the fourth quarter to tie the game. 57 seconds to go, a two for the tie. Trips to the left. Brady under center. Tom takes the snap. Quick throw to Amendola. Screen left. A flag as he reaches across the goal He's line in. for a score. There is a penalty marker on the play. They're offside. That's in. Conference by the <laughs> officials. <laughs> it's a tight game in Super Bowl 51. High fives for everybody. <laughs> Give me some. What are you looking at, Beetle? I can't believe it. Someone that's familiar with that market can let us know who Beetle is. What are you looking at? Beetle is my favorite line. Yeah, we gotta we gotta find it. If if someone you know follows Scott Zolak or knows the answer to this, just but almost get the information. You almost not want to know too, and just forever right. be curious. Like, I mean, it's, who he's taunting there. That like, makes the list because of unhinged homerism. It's not because it's the cleanest call. It's just you can't believe right. 
that anyone in a booth is behaving this way. Zolak proved himself to be the number one homer in the NFL this season, without a doubt. So this was a little nod to him, giving him the bronze medal. I will say it is interesting that's coming out of New England. Um, because I know in New York, at least, and Mark, you you know this, uh, they're very um, – there's not a lot of homers. Not at all in New York, no. Because that's uh, – for, for whatever reason, that market has always been more along the lines of playing it down the, down the middle, even if there is a, a slight leaning one way or because the other. Because there's no not rooting. one team either. I think that's part of it because there's Mets, Yankees, there's Jets, Giants. So but why would that affect? I think New York is legitimately – like it is the launching pad to national work, right. national careers. Boston, TV-wise, it's not that way. But you might. Be I guess right. I mean partly because like there's a lot of non-Yankees and Mets fans right, there far, listening. You know what I mean? Like teams far less that, provincial of right. a city. But right. but every call we're listening to has a tinge of homerism. And New York, you're right, does not. Uh, moving on, number two, and this this is going to surprise people because I think a lot of people when they heard this call and it came very early in the season, <laughs> week one, in fact, said, "Oh, the race is over." And you know we thought it was over too. People were saying that uh, the streets talking. Uh, give it to Kevin Harlan because. In a game, a wipeout of a game where the 49ers um, embarrassed the 49ers and a shutout win on the late Monday night game in week one, Harlan set the country on fire the next morning on social media with his call of an idiot fan who had run onto the field. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20, they're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms, bare-chested. Somebody stop Look that out. man. Here comes the blue coat, Kevin. Oh, they got him. Here comes coming the blue coat. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40-yard line. Oh, that was the most exciting thing to happen tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I always like because he gives it's a professional call of a fan on a field, but then he's like to the fifty, to the forty. This guy is drunk. To the thirty, yeah. that's funny. I always love that. He loves it's amazing. It's an example of someone I think just absolutely loves what he does. Like he he turned that into something so special. It's like not, very few people have that kind of fun with it. And and it's a reminder. And since I'll never get a chance to really talk about Jeff Fisher's. You know, head coaching career, maybe ever again. It's a reminder. How did the Rams lose lose the only two games of the season that the 49ers won were against the Rams? And they did their offense didn't get 200 yards in either one of those games. That's almost impossible. Horrendous, horrendous. And check out Kevin Harlan. He'll be all over March Madness. So that guy's got a good career, and he deserves it. But the man who takes the cake, and I'll tell you what, he's the one man on the list, probably doesn't want to be on the list, but we love him. Uh, we, we, we say this with peace and love. Uh, that Bob Lamy of WFNI in Indianapolis earned the number one spot of our calls of the year with this gorgeous gem in week three against the Chargers. The Colts win it 26-22. Game's over. Game is finally over. (laughs) (laughs) Round of applause for everybody. Bob Lamy, people. Drops an F-bomb live on air. It's like every Sunday night football game in this room. Lamey. I'm glad he didn't lose his job over that because people have lost their job for less. All right, finally. You, this is what you came here for. Mark Sessler wrote a banger. What we're looking forward to this offseason besides Tony Romo. Mm. Um, blather. Yeah, right. yeah, blather. So exactly <clears throat> right. Mark came up with a nice list here. I think it goes about, about 10, 12 deep. 
with a bonus section uh, entitled "Ultra Tedious Storylines I Refuse to Entertain." We'll get into what exactly that was. Really, that the means. article I was going to say. Right. It almost felt like the whole thing was a <laughs> that's was all a it was preamble to set up that that just graph leading at you the to end. water. Yep. All right, so let's go down the list and. Uh, and we'll we'll decide whether uh, Mark's uh, on point or completely just writing out of his ass. Well, that's very possible. First one, and by the way, why beyond Roma? Why why did why the conceit at the top? Explain to us. I'm already completely exhausted with the handling of Tony Romo. At one point, he's going to be traded. That's one article. Let's keep it at one. Why do we need to have four thousand think pieces and lists and other landing spot? Bits. I mean, we get it. <laughs> I, I think you're right. You're absolutely right. All right, so no Romo talk, but you know what? One of the storylines, we talked about this one, Shanahan's fix-it-upper by the Bay. How does Kyle take that two-win team and turn it into a respectable bunch? You're you're excited, according to your copy, All right, to track well, this this offseason. I, I do think it's exciting. New coaches actually are one of my most – I think it makes the offseason interesting. Treasured institutions? Out, I think if you find out who they are but real quick, because we all think – I think Kyle Shanahan's riding in. I get the Super Bowl thing, but as this sort of wonder boy based on his entire lineage and career and everything else, and this is a very tough job to turn this team around quickly. And this is a pretty exhausted, uh, angry press corps that covers the Niners that don't – have six years of patience in them, so it'll be an interesting dynamic. Although I think they're kind of impressed that Jed York pulled off, even though John yeah. Lynch is an, a, a strange hire in a lot of minds, I think you're kind of like, wow, Jed York got John Lynch and Kyle Shannon. That's actually mm-hmm. that's pretty, pretty good. good. Their, their roster, though, I mean, they're going to have to – they're starting from scratch. It's, it's Especially like, if Jeremy Curley sneaks out of the building. <laughs> $80 million under the cap, and I was looking at the free agent list this year. It is the weakest crop the weakest. of free agents I've ever seen because the salary cap keeps going up in by a decent amount every year. So teams are signing their good young players. Mm-hmm. This is a bad year to have a lot of money under the cap. Well, as such a lover of coordinators, though, what do you think about the decision that Kyle Shanahan's not even going to have an offensive mm-hmm. coordinator? Troubling. No, I think Connor Orr that. wrote a great piece about first-year head coaches when they they go through all this and then they sit in their chair and they think, I don't know what I'm doing. Like. Adding a lot of extra responsibility onto your plate when you haven't been a head coach for Kyle Shanahan, who's going to find out there's all these other things he has to do. By the way, he, he comes from a father, Mike Shanahan, that probably told him everything. So more experience than others. Next up, what becomes of Jimmy G? I like this one. In fact, yes, our NFL Network hit that you could watch on Friday on up to the minute. Uh, this is the subject. Garoppolo, uh, the backup quarterback of the Patriots, uh, the the Pats have a position here. He has one year left on his deal where they can make a play, trade Garoppolo with Tom Brady, obviously still playing so well, and the Patriots defending champions now. Uh, the question becomes, Mark, and I'll start with you, uh, where does he end up? Where is he come September? Uh, is he in Cleveland, Mark? It Cleveland's going to have to give up a lot because it sounds like there's at least three teams that are very serious about making a run for him. Which three teams? 49ers, Bears, and Browns? Top three teams in the draft. So there isn't a team sitting at 20 that has no – I mean, they all have great position to outbid each other. Kyle Shanahan, one of the reasons he left the Browns was because they disregarded his analysis on that quarterback class. He had Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo rated above Johnny Manziel and Teddy Bridgewater. 
they didn't pay attention to him. He left. Mm. Kyle Shanahan now in San Francisco. We've seen reports that the Browns are already planning to trade for Garoppolo. We've seen reports that the Bears have made him their number one offseason priority. And Thomas Dimitrov, who had Shanahan for two years and had his ear, said it best. Until you find a quarterback, the search for him consumes you. There will be a windfall of draft picks in New England, I think. I think he's going to bring more than a first-rounder. Mm, wow. And once the bidding gets wild, I think it could go out of control. I, he is the most attractive guy on the market in terms of, you know, Tony Romo or Cutler or Tyrod Taylor could be in the mix. I don't know. A first. I feel like if the Browns said today, we'll give you the number, what is it, 12 or 14? 12. 12 pick for the draft. I don't. I don't know if the Patriots would wait around. I think they would just be like, "All right, let's do it today." Well, here's here's an offer, Mark. You tell me if you do it if you're the GM. Not the not the first overall pick, but the Browns' number twelve pick, which they obtained from the Eagles, of course, and a third rounder next year for Jimmy G and a uh, fifth rounder in 2018. I would do it in a second, and I'll tell you why. Because if it works, then it doesn't matter what the cost was. If it doesn't work. It's no different than going into the season with RG3. They've got a ton of draft picks. The Browns keep well, having – it's a big – well, it's the a thing. whiff if it doesn't what, are the Browns Yeah, but ha- are the Browns have two first-round picks. They have a they million have, picks. Are you going to keep 15 rookies again? You can't you, – I like their idea, but like at one point, you have to go for the quarterback. And, and Jimmy G has been well-trained. They're, they're, by all indications, it's not Brock Osweiler part two. And you got to swing for the fences. You cannot go into the season with nobody. I guess my, my point was that – uh, it's it just because they they have x amount of roster space. It's still there's a lot of risk involved to to give up a, a number twelve pick. There but is. Th- th- I think it's worth it. Right. One D- Daniel Jeremiah in his latest mock has the Browns taking a tight end at number twelve. So so you want not who wouldn't even be your number your number one tight end, or do you want to go for the quarterback? I give up the twelfth pick for Jimmy G plus a third or whatever in a second. These rebuilding teams at the top of the draft, the Browns, the 49ers, the Bears, they don't want Tony Romo, they don't want Jay Cutler, they don't want Tyrod Taylor. If the Browns offer that, the Patriots are gonna shop it to the 49ers and Bears and say yep. beat it. Keep but, and keep an eye on the Saints. I really think the Saints we're I don't one buy of the, that for We're one of the teams That's that were there. really high on Garoppolo going into the draft. Uh, Sean Payton, Eastern Illinois connection. They've been looking pretty hard at trying to find their next quarterback. I don't think that's that crazy. I don't buy it for a minute. You're going to trade a first-rounder when your defense sucks every year? And one, and one more point on the Patriots' side. Is there any thought in that building that we could have a Montana to Steve Young transfer of power? Why would we give that up if, if we think that highly about Jimmy G? Now, the, the, the good problem to have here is that Brady doesn't look close to the end of the line, but he is going to be 40. I think that's interesting, too, because they are so well set up for another decade with a, uh, with a backup they believe in. Uh, yeah. But it, Brady obviously isn't close to the end yet, but he is 40, so the end could come quickly. You're just not, they traded Richard Seymour. They traded Drew Bledsoe for obvious reasons. They've traded all sorts of guys when value is there. It's never going to be this high ever again. Right. I think they would have thought about offering Jimmy Garoppolo a weird sort of contract where it was the bases were low for a few years and then it spiked up with an option. If Tom Brady wasn't this good this year, if he was just if he had that gradual decline where he was right. like the eighth best quarterback, but he was he was too good for them to do that. Right. The cost of keeping Garoppolo instead of trading him is messing up your salary cap by paying two high end quarterbacks. Uh moving on, another quarterback the ooh, this is really well put, Mark. The courting of cousins. <laughs> Alliteration. I don't even right. remember writing that, but apparently I did. Uh, yeah, so 
Um, Mark, you don't expect Kirk Cousins to play for anyone but the Redskins. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Wes, it seems like uh, there things are not uh, things are a little choppy in DC about the quarterback position. Does it surprise you that this is something that's even something we need to be tracking like this? Yes, uh, I, I love that Mark put that quote in there because I think this is one of the most overblown storylines of the offseason. He's going to be the quarterback for the Redskins, and the GM's quote is telling. I don't think it's as complicated as everyone wants to make it, and we'll get together with his agent. We'll come up with an agreement. That's what's going to happen. He's going to play for the Redskins. Well, and can, it'll probably be on the tag, them. though, right? Yeah. They, they, they said that last year, too. Bruce Allen said, well, we're very confident we're going to get a contract. This idea he that, didn't. He didn't. So This idea that other teams want Kirk Cousins so the Redskins will just say, oh, take him. Ah, that's fine. Well, and someone remind me of the rules of this because I, I feel a little uncomfortable about this idea because if you t- franchise a guy – the first time, I think it's the average of the top five salaries of the position. And if you do it a second time, it's something even more extreme, isn't it? It's a 20% bump, I believe, which would make Kirk Cousins. Make like be a $24 million or something. Yeah, $24, million, yep. $25 million. And a, if anyone wants to come get them, they have to give up a lot draft pick. Why, is it two firsts, I believe? Yeah, if you don't make them the exclusive. I think they would just make them even the exclusive tag where you can't even give up. And if that happens, picks. if he makes $25 million, you know who's doing really well for himself? Kirk uh, cousins who will have essentially signed a two-year, forty-five million dollar contract. <laughs> right, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. Crazy. It's good to be a quarterback. Uh, Cleveland's off-season strategy. Uh, next up on Mark's list, uh, and we talked about that with Jimmy G. Um, but what else? What other, What else, Mark? Well, I is think that's. To watch the, I think that's the. That's really the big part of it. Are, yeah. are you going to use the picks to get a quarterback, or are you going to try to continue to build around a non-quarterback? Um, next up on the list, Adrian Peterson on the move. That's a question mark. He's turning 32 next month. Uh, was hurt and, uh, you know, really uh, we didn't get to see much of him at all last year. Uh, where would this guy end up, Greg, in your mind, if he hit the open market? And would he have a healthy market to choose from? I mean, he'll have suitors. He's not going to make a ton of money because he's an aging running back. I mean, he, he'll I mean, it depends what you count a ton of money. I'd take six or seven million dollars, you know, in a one-year contract or, a, like you know, a little two, body two for there. twelve. Give it to me, baby. Uh, the Giants make a lot of sense to me. That just pops off my head. He's a fascinating player because I think we don't know how what percentage he is of what he was a couple of years ago. I think he can still play, but the NFL has moved to an era where his skill set doesn't fit most offenses. He's a net negative in the passing game right now. Look at the look at the Super Bowl. I mean, look at the Patriots and Exactly. All right. And finally, and you could read all of uh, Mark's piece on NFL.com <laughs> slash Sessler. Uh, that's the plug that you would ask for privately, Mark, before the show. Well, that just <laughs> it just throws you to a rather jumbled author page. So, yes. Uh, anyway, here's the bonus, Mark. I would love for you to, to read uh, this list in full. Uh, ultra tedious storylines. I refuse to entertain. Let's hear it, Mark. All right, number one, Blake Bortles, a quote, new man in Jacksonville. We're all tired of that. Number two. It. Browns haven't lost faith in RG3. Give me a break. Number three, Roethlisberger still toying with retirement. Give me a break, part two. <laughs> Number four, Dom Capers building, in quotes, tougher Packers defense. Teflon, Num- Dom. That's coming. Number five, Hackenberg ready to make the leap in Florham yep. Park. Number six, Bill O'Brien, colon, we can rock with Brock. Number <laughs> seven, well, number seven, Tom Brady, colon, cantaloupe terrible for human digestive system. <laughs> That's number coming. eight, E.J. Manuel, in quotes, Peyton-like in Bill's minicamp. Forget about it. Number nine, Brandon Marshall, colon, 
colon, Josh McCown will take Jets to promised land. <laughs> and number 10, Nadamik and Sue, Patriots vulnerable after free agent exodus. Never. Not writing about any of that. This is definitely the everything was building to that paragraph. That's all. That's why you wrote this. And I uh, very entertaining, uh, Mark. Uh, good stuff, everybody. That's today's show. There, I'm going to track that list and see if Mark writes anything on any of them. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the off-season articles he writes about the Chargers' comfy confines. See, he's, 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 in very, February. he's I really, very excited about I really want to go there. I want to say, that I'm in late in the, June yeah. when we're looking for Wait, how are you? Yep. <laughs> What's going to happen in the off-season at the confines? Well, I will feign sickness. Oh, I just realized. Well, Mark will be not at his desk. Where's Mark? He's on the phone with the operations officer of the Chargers, and you're doing a long form on this new soccer arena. I whatever can see it, takes, it. Whatever it takes. I can see it now. Whatever it takes. All right. Good stuff. All right. And people who are curious, what is our off-season taping schedule? Uh, all right. I think. What are we doing next week, guys? What do we want to do next week? <laughs> We're going to do two or three shows. This is a conversation we want to have We're on We're going to do it right air. now. We're going to do it right Let's now. Let's settle this. Let's settle it. Let's it out. Pull Monday, back the curtain. Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's no typically Fridays. what we did in the off-season. In, in very quiet times, sometimes we'd back it off to twice a week. So it's sometimes, really but not yet. That. We're not yet. We're going to do uh, probably three shows next week, unless we do two. But we won't do less than two, but we won't do more than three. And then, after, you know, once once we get close to the combine, we'll be three shows a week until late June or so, mid-June. Then it's a total we, shutdown mail. No, then we back it off to two a week. Yeah. But you're not <laughs> people coming in and out. We're not going to be gone along, uh, long enough ever for you guys to, like, start to miss us. This, this break from Sunday to today's show, you'll never have to wait that long for a show. That is correct. I promise you. Unless something terrible happens, at, at which point gogetmylunch.org becomes finalized. By the way, stick around after the show for some real breaking news. There you go. That's a good tease. All right, let's get out of here. Um, this is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, and new money behind the glass. Till Monday. Mark Sessler of the Around the NFL podcast here. It's a bit of a post-show breaking news scenario. We learned recently that internationally acclaimed economist Hans Rosling passed away this week. And sad news, of course, uh, the world mourns. And we have on the line our economic uh, expert, Mr. F, high school economics teacher in The Hague, the Netherlands. Mr. F, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Mark. Mr. F. Uh, obviously, sad news. Can you maybe talk a little bit about uh, the reaction among your fellow economists uh, and maybe talk a little bit about who Hans Rosling was and why he was important? Sure. I think uh, the reaction was shock. He was pretty young, 68, and he'd had a short illness. So I think there was surprise from the people I talked to about it because we hadn't known how ill he was. And I think his importance is, is it's hard to quantify for me because I really appreciated what he did. The most important thing for me from his work was he was able to change people's opinions about what was happening in the world by using facts and figures and data statistics that he compiled to make you really rethink 
um, your opinions about development and the poor and um, and how the world was. And he he was extremely practical. He worked in human health in Africa for years, and just a couple years ago, he went to uh, Liberia to work to help fight the Ebola uh, outbreak that happened there. I mean, he really put in practice his 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 knowledge of economics and and statistics, and that was of great health of great help in public health as well as in economics. Where was he? Where was he living uh, at this period? So he's been in Sweden teaching at the Carlotta, or um, um, sorry, um, the institute there, the main university, uh, Karlinska Institute in Stockholm, Sweden, the capital, for probably, boy, it's probably been like eight years he's been there. And before that, he was in public health in, in, uh, in sub-Saharan Africa. And have you, have you ever had a chance to, to meet him? Yeah, I was fortunate enough to meet him at an education conference, the ECIS conference in Lisbon, Portugal, about five, six years ago, I think it was. And he gave a presentation that I, I've already been teaching now for 20 years at the time, 15 years. It's probably the best presentation I'd ever seen in terms of use of visual information and sharing ideas and getting complex concepts across to uh, every person there. It was fantastic. And in speaking of teaching, you have, you know, your we, own high we, school. Uh, Go we ahead. sat in the front row. Yeah, oh, really? We sat in the front row. Myself and another economist sat in the front row, and then we, we got our picture taken with him. Oh, it was, so... uh, it, it was it's kind of a hero, another fanboy moment. For well, him. I was going like to talking to you guys. Yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, I I didn't realize that you'd had that kind of co- contact with him. That he was very important. I mean, to your students, you teach high school students. Do they find him inspiring? Was he someone that uh, was he able to reach them in the, on this topic of economics worldwide? Well, they they always thought that his presentations were better than mine. <laughs> you know, he's he's just a great speaker. So when you watched his his interviews, you could really tell his both his understanding and his joy of the subject. And he was both funny and knowledgeable. And he really uh, was able to share information. And my students have always enjoyed his presentations. And actually, we talked about his death. And uh, we will be watching a video for the introduction to development economics with my seniors in uh, next week. So, yeah, he's still, you know, it's a great loss. Yeah, I'm here with uh, Mr. F, and we're talking about the passing of Hans Rosling, uh, a very well-known economist worldwide, died at a young age, too. Very sad news. One, I mean, it is an NFL show, and we've probably thrown our listeners for quite a a loop at this point. Uh, Would you compare him? Is there any NFL figure that you could compare Rosling to? Is there there anyone out there? (laughs) This is tougher because I'm I'm not as knowledgeable, but I went to to Westling, and I asked Chris for a little help, too. So I thought Wade Phillips, you know, an X's and O guys and funny. And Chris thought maybe his dad, Bum Phillips. Ooh, I and like I also that. thought that really smart lineman from Baltimore, I can't the mathematician, um, Urschel or something like that. Oh, yeah, the guy that's on all the commercials. Uh, yes, yeah. the overly, overly so, mathematical guy, yeah. Yeah, so I guess Hans Rosling was a really good X's and O's guy, an X's and O's guy who was also funny. So whoever you got in your head for that, that's Rosling. Love the comparison. Final question, is there a... And maybe you'd end up here someday if there is. Is there an economics hall of fame out there? Um, I, I won't end up there, but I think the Nobel Prize in Economics is probably the top hall of fame honor that's been going on for almost 50 years. And 
there's some incredible figures in that list. And there's some other lists, probably uh, some historical lists, but that'd be one for sure. Well, you never know. Hopefully, you know, hopefully by appearing on this podcast, it's setting the, uh, the path ahead for you to get the Nobel and more. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's always great to talk a little economic theory with you, and we'll have you on the show again to talk some football, I hope. Thanks, Mark. As always, thanks so much for the pod, and uh, congrats to Greg and all of you for a great season. Uh, Greg on the Super Bowl win, but also for all of you just fantastic work as always yeah it's really all about greg at the end so we're very excited about (laughs) that dynamic all right we will talk with you soon thank you so much you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.